Now, if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, and if you, if you don't have a Bible and you want to borrow one of ours, slip your hand up and an usher will serve you a Bible. Anybody at all, you need one? Okay. Because we want you to look at the Word. Turn to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter today. God's got something good for you. And I realize we have some of you here that, that haven't been here in a little bit today or ever. But we're, we're about eight, seven, eight weeks in to a series of messages that uh, we'll try and catch you up on a little bit. But we're speaking along these lines, answering the question, why is there a wilderness in my promised land? That just sounds fun, doesn't it? Why is there a wilderness in my promised land? And in Deuteronomy 8, we read a scripture that, that you understand God wrote the Bible, God inspired the Bible, and it's, if it was for them and it was a blessing in Deuteronomy, it'd, it'd be for us today. Huh? Glory to God, you believe that, right? Me too. Me too. I don't believe that they had any advantage in the old covenant under the curse that we don't have under the blessing. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 says this. I'm going to ask you not to shout and scream too loud if you get real excited as we're reading. Well, never mind. If you do, you do. Okay. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Mm. A good land. What's a good land? A land with streams and pools of water. How many would like that the last few days? With springs flowing in the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley. Vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. Uh, you're not getting it. They ain't getting it. Let me try it this way. A land with turkey and gravy. Stuffing mashed potatoes. A land with, come on now, sweet potato casserole and cornbread. Oh, glory to God. A land with pumpkin pie. All right there for you. Amen. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. How would you like your own mine on your land? A little gold mine on the back of your land. You know, years ago, Brother Kenneth Copeland bought this big piece of land that nobody wanted because he had to move his ministry headquarters. And it wasn't until uh, several years later that they found oil on that land. <laughs> you just go where God tells you to go. Where was God leading him? To a good land. A good land. You know, you and I can't see what's underneath, but God can. And in the same way, you and I can't see what's up ahead of us. God can. You, you, you know, a lot of times, see, we don't, see what, we don't see what's attached to certain things. We don't, see what, we don't see ahead of time. See, when I met my wife, I didn't see what, was, uh, what came with her. Right, right, right. I, and she didn't either at that point. But I didn't know when I met her, she wasn't like she is now. Exactly. Amen. I mean, she looks as young now as she does then, did then. But I just didn't know all that was in her. Right? But see, and naturally speaking, I didn't much, you know, we didn't gel. We didn't care for one another nat from a natural, just from a personality standpoint. You know, we, we were, uh, she was abrasive to me. We were opposites. 
But yet the Lord, there started to be a stir and the Lord was drawing us together. Well, see, I didn't know what was attached to her, but I had to obey God. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad I did because I found out what's on the other side of that door. Hallelujah. The prize, y'all, was on the other side of that door. I got the prize. Amen. People don't know what's attached to a church when God joins them there. They don't know what God has attached to you because you can only see what you can see. Huh? Don't know what you It's hard to see the future, just like it's hard to see underground. Just go where God tells you to go. He'll lead you to the good place. So we we've, we've been talking about the fact that God has for us, you and me, a good life in a good land. Jesus said, though, though the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life more abundantly. Amen. That word translated life, uh, I'm sorry, abundantly, it means superior in quality and super abundant in quantity. That word translated life is talking about the very life and nature of God himself. You and I, if we're born of, born of God, born again, we have the life of God on the inside of us. And he's given us more than enough of it to have life on a superior level. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sorry if you don't believe that, but be taught today. Be receiving today. You and I can live life completely different than the world around us. We're supposed to. Amen. We're not saying we're better people than those around us. Right. But but you have you have in you the superior one. Amen. And a superior quality of life that you and I are able to tap into and enjoy and live where he has a good life in a good land for us. Amen. And glory to God. We, should, we talked about the blessing of God that he wants to give to his people today. It's the blessing that he gave to Abraham. Amen. Through Jesus, we've been connected to that. We qualify for that. And we see Abraham. We saw Isaac. We saw Jacob and, and Joseph. God raised them up to be examples to the world of his goodness. Would you like God to make you an example of his goodness? Huh? He wants to do it. He's, he told me he wanted to do that for me. And I didn't understand. I was like, well, what am I, special? But then I saw it in the world. I, I saw, well, it's just the same blessing that was on Abraham. That's what he did to Abraham. Made him an example to the people around him of how good God is. That's what he did for Isaac. He reaped a hundredfold in the, in the time of famine. Amen. You know, God would move us to Buffalo to prosper. We read the news before we came, found out ain't nobody was prospering in Buffalo. Uh-huh. Well, some are, you know, but I mean as a region. Yeah, yeah. Amen. It doesn't matter where, it, what matters is that you're where God sent you. Amen. Doesn't have to be American. This is not an American gospel. This is the gospel. The gospel will work in America. It'll work in, who won the uh, marathon last night? Kenya? The gospel will work in Kenya. You've seen the gospel work anywhere but America? Yeah, all over the world. And if you have somebody on the moon to preach to, the gospel would work there. The good news will work there. Amen. Amen. You can have abundant life wherever God places you. You can have it. You won't automatically have it. But you can learn to cooperate with God and tap into it and have it. Amen. So he has that for us just like he had it for the children of Israel. But now we see something that happened. The children of Israel did not only but a very, very few of them ever enjoyed what God had for them. Most of them died in the place called the wilderness. And that's where the uh, energy level drops a little bit. Because now we've been talking about, the, well, what is the wilderness? The wilderness is a place of hardship. 
and, and obstacles and difficulty. What is the good life? We define that. That's the life where everything you have and everything you do has God in it. Right. Amen. Every good, because, you know, it's not just stuff. You could have a lot of stuff without God and it'd be sorrowful. And it wouldn't satisfy you. How many found out stuff doesn't satisfy? But yet, if you have the blessing of the Lord, there will be stuff attached to it because the blessing is bigger than what you can contain physically. Amen. The blessing of God's going to be spreading around all about you and affecting things all around you. Amen. And if the place you're at, even the house that you're at, if the place you're at can't contain the level of blessing that, he want, that He's brought you up to, well, sorry, we'll just have to move to something that can contain it. Amen. Amen. Here again, our joy is not in the stuff, it's in the Lord. So that's the good life, but then there's this wilderness, and that's where most of Israel ended up. And I'll tell you, that's where most of the church. When I say most, I don't mean just 51%, as in most. I mean probably 95, 97% of the church is living way beneath the good life that God has for them. And so that, that you know, requires, so we ought to examine that. Let's find out how come. If God's provided it for us, I don't know about you. I'm just not satisfied not having it. I said, if he's, now, if he hasn't promised it to us, if he hasn't provided it for us, then uh, all we could do is say, well, Lord, uh, we wish we had it. But if he said, I've already done such and such for you, and then it's not a reality in our lives, well, let's find out how come. And where in the world would you go for the answer? Counseling? The Word of God. The Word of God. And so we, we, we see 1 Corinthians 10 told us that we're to look at Israel as an example of what not to do or what to do, depending on you know, whether they did the right thing or the wrong thing. Well, we see that they ended up in the wilderness, but the interesting thing is it was God that led them there. It was, I said it was God that led them there to begin with. Why did God lead them into the wilderness, into this why would God ever lead anybody into a place of difficulty and obstacles? Would He? Would He? He did. He did. Not only did He do it to Israel, He led Jesus into the wilderness. My goodness, why would God do that? What a mean Heavenly Father we have. No, that's not the case at all. Well, there's a purpose, see, to being in the wilderness. And so that's the first, one of the first things we wanted you to know and understand is that if you're in the wilderness, it's not necessarily a negative. God could have led you there. And He will lead everybody to the wilderness en route to the promised land in your life. Amen. You have to go through the wilderness in your life because Jesus had to. Abraham had to. Children of Israel had to. Amen. There were shorter ways that they could have gotten to the land that God said was theirs. But the Bible distinctly says, no, God told them, no, don't you go by the way of the Philistines. You go through the wilderness, through hardships. Well, why would he do that? God needs a place to where he can prove our faith. And, and, and if you now, if you could accept this, it's a place where he'll teach us lessons. You might say, no, bad faith preacher. How dare you say God would lead you to a place of hardship to teach you? Well, are you still in Deuteronomy 8? Because I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Deuteronomy 8. In the, in the uh, second verse, it said, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the, in the desert these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart. 
whether or not you'd keep his commands. Amen. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you to teach you. That man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth. of I'm sorry. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Well, why does God need to teach us things? He needs if he's going to bless us. He needs to be righteous in doing it. He needs a legal right to do it. Well, what's that mean? If God blesses us and we don't qualify for the blessing, the enemy could come to God and say, wait, 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 no fair. Look at this sentence you put on me. If you're going to just do something for them just because, then you best, you best overturn my sentence. How many don't want the devil's sentence overturned? Huh? And so God needs to do what he does righteously. God has never acted unrighteously. What is it that gives him the legal right to move in our lives? It's faith. Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. Giving God the right to do what he wanted to do. How many are with me? You following me? Now here again, I just gave you seven weeks of what we taught right there. Now we're going to go on a little bit. So the wilderness, as we said, it's a place of testing. Why? Proving our faith. Hmm? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, Lord, we have faith. We believe you. And he said, okay, well, go on. No, he lets us prove it. Glory to God. Well, we, so we talked about these tests last week. I'm bringing you up all the way to last week now. We talked about these tests that happen and these trials that happen in the wilderness. Remember, Jesus went into the wilderness and for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Remember that? And he passed them all. And uh, we learned something that will, it will help you your whole life. We taught you last week how to pass a test. Does anybody remember? How do you pass a test? You pick the right answer. Isn't that deep? Tell me again, somebody. How do you pass a test? You pick the right answer. And now multiple choice. What's the, what's the answer always? It's always F. Faith. If you and I will always answer faith, we will always pass the test. Don't miss that now. Don't miss that. Anybody ever had a test in your life? What's the right answer? F. Faith. Faith. Always answer faith. You will always pass the test. Now, as I said, we're going to go on. Can I do that? And, and don't anybody deduct what we just did in review from my preaching time today. Because that, that was just review to catch you up, you know. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit more about these tests. Can I do that today? Um, we've seen, we see where God tested Abraham. We see where the devil tempted Jesus. Both those things happened in the wilderness. And in some folk mind, there can be a real blurry line of distinction between, well, is this, is this thing that's happened in my life, is this a test from God or is this an attack from the devil? And can we clear that up? Because how many understand if, if the devil's doing something in your life and you think it's God doing it, well, you're not going to resist that thing. You're going to submit to that thing. So isn't it important to know what's going on here? What do, what do I do? 
Now, I got good news for you. Whether you're being tested by God or attacked by the devil, the answer's the same. I said the answer's the same. What's the answer? Either way, it's, a it's what the Bible calls the trial of your faith. Now, here's some things that we always know. They're always true. God is wanting to promote you and bless you. He's always wanting to do that. The devil is always wanting to kill you and destroy you. Are we clear? That's always true. Always. All the time. God's, God would have to change who he is. Hmm? Now, as you and I, if we develop in the things of God and develop our spirits, it's possible to where when a test or trial comes, it's possible that you could know even immediately that this, this thing's from the devil or, or even know uh, this is a test. <laughs> right? But like I said, either way, the answer's the same. Hmm? Now, understand this. Satan is not supposed to have access into your life. Do you believe that? I'm going to believe that our redemption that Jesus provided for us is not full of holes and cracks. Right? The Bible says in Psalm 130 that he's given us a full redemption. Hmm? The blood of Jesus covers everything it needs to cover. You believe that? The, the, the Bible does say, doesn't it, give no place to the devil? Well, is it possible to give no place to the devil? Well, if we're told to do so and it's not possible, then God would be unjust. But he tells us, give no place to the devil. Right? First John, in the fifth chapter, it talks about living in such a way where the wicked one touches you not. Well, so is it possible? Right? Jesus, you remember, he said, hey, the prince of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. He's got no, he had nothing to touch. We even saw when Jesus was tempted. I mean, the, the, the devil had to leave him until he, until there was another opportunity. Satan, as I said, he is not to have access into your life. Now that's on one hand. On the other hand, wasn't Jesus led into the wilderness to have an encounter with the devil? Was God trying to kill Jesus? Was the devil? Yeah. Well, we're clear, man. We're clear. But notice that. Notice this now. Though Satan was able to bring the test, he was not able to access Jesus' life, was he? Everybody say access denied. It's kind of like this, you know. Um, there's a difference between somebody knocking on your door and then somebody having access to your whole house, right? And so the test will come. It will knock on your door, and that's what the devil does. He brings those things. But he was not able to have access in Jesus' life. Jesus denied the devil. How did he do it? He passed the test. Amen. Well, how do we know he passed all the tests? Well, the devil had to leave, and Jesus came out of the wilderness even stronger than he went in. It said he came out in the power of the Spirit. Praise God. Pass the test. How did he pass the test? Pick the right answer. Let me say this about tests and trials. God and the devil are not co-workers. They don't help each other out. 
God doesn't come to Satan and say, hey, there's this individual and I want to give them some diabetes, but I, of course I don't have any and you do. Would you go ahead and minister that to that individual on my behalf? No, never. That doesn't happen. I said God and Satan aren't co-workers. The devil doesn't do God's work. God doesn't do the devil's work. Would you go to James chapter 1 this morning? Are you doing okay? Hmm? You getting taught some things? Seeing some things? As we were preparing this week, I realized that, uh, you know, what we taught last week could, could leave the door open in some people's mind to think, well, you know, maybe, maybe this thing's from God. Or, we just want to show you which is which today. Now, James 1, chapter, uh, verse 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. For God can't be tempted by what? evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one's tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to, to, uh, to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Amen. Does God tempt people to sin? No. No. Does God test people at times? Yeah. Yeah, but that's not, he's not tempting, you understand, he's not ever putting a person in front of a screen of pornography. God's never leading somebody to do that, right? Or, or so, and so forth. And verse 16 says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Well, what aren't we supposed to be deceived about? This very thing. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Folk are deceived about things in, that happen in their lives, and they're thinking sometimes, well, this must be from God, aren't they? You're looking at me so holy. Some of you are looking at me like you wish you'd stay in bed. Have you ever met somebody or heard somebody tell you that some, a work of the devil was really a, a blessing from God? That's what we're not supposed to be deceived about. What's God going to give you? Every good and perfect gift. Is, is cancer good or perfect? Neither. Huh? Accidents. Are they good and perfect? No, 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 no. Don't be confused about that. Be straight about that. Everybody say this. God wants to do me good. Satan wants to do me in. That's always true. You understand. All righty. Hallelujah. Now. When a test or trial comes in your life, there is, there is movement in the realm that you and I can't see by both the Lord and the enemy. But you and I actually determine which side wins. <laughs> Amen. You know, when your flesh is in control, you're going to yield. Amen. You're going to yield to the enemy and you're going to give him access when you do. When your spirit man is strong and built up and fed on the word of God, you'll yield to God and give him access. Praise God. Now, let me make I'm just just giving you some thoughts here, trying to clear, clear some things up regarding tests and trials. Let me say this. Now, see if you agree with this. Though God and Satan don't work on the same team. Right. They're not on the same team, yet they can both work at the same time. I'll say that again, though, though God and Satan aren't on the same team, they can and do work at the same time. And I'll explain. You're going to love this because it's true. Satan brings a temptation to your life. 
and you, you, you see it, you recognize it, and you say, uh-uh, no, 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 we ain't doing this. Right. And you pass that test. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How many know it was the devil that brought that to you? Right. Right. right? But you passed, and when you passed, how do you whip the devil? Anybody know? How do you pass a test? With faith. That faith that you used to overcome that, that just gave God the legal right to bless you. But he's not the one that presented that test in the first place. They're not working on the same team, but he'll work at the same time. Is this okay this morning? Understand, we're, we're, I mean, we, we've been teaching on this for weeks here. Now, that's real, real exciting to me because anything that Satan tries to do to destroy, not only can we beat it, it can be the springboard that the Lord will use to take you on up to the next place. And so the devil better think twice about messing with the faith bunch. Because it can bite him really bad. You think uh, the enemies ever regretted trying to put those diseases on Brother Hagen? You think the enemy ever wishes he put them on somebody that just would have died with him right away? But no, Brother Hagen found out about faith. And he put his faith into action and came up off of that bed. Came up off the deathbed. But no, he didn't stop there. See, that faith, God used that faith to launch him into ministry. And then he spent, oh, the next 70 years after that, going all over the world and putting 70 million books into print and telling everybody that Satan wasn't big enough to kill me. And here's how you can live and not die too. Oh, did that ever bite the devil? Oh, man, did it ever sting him? Why didn't I pick him? Why didn't I put that thing on somebody else? Other people would have just laid down and died with it. And he almost did. In fact, if it was for the, if you, if it was for the preachers in his life, he would have. All the preachers said, oh, just hang on, my boy. In a few days, it'll all be over. Just submit to the will of God. Thank God he didn't listen to the pastors. He listened to the word. Amen. Glory to God. Well, so that's, so that's one way that God and the devil, see, they can work at the same time. When the enemy's bringing something that he means for destruction in your life, God can use that thing and build good out of it. Amen. Now, on the other hand, what happens when God brings a test to your life? And instead of passing it, you just, you just go a different direction and you fail that test. Hmm? Guess what? You, you just gave the enemy access into your life and a legal right to bring to pass what he wants for you. It's getting quiet in here. I, I won't go too much longer. But how, do you, how do you pass a test? Well, no, what do you do to pass it? You pick. How do you fail a test? Y'all are smart. You pick the wrong answer. You ever seen one of those revolving doors like at the airport and, and they have, but they have them, they have them that aren't open all the way. They have them that are just open at one section, huh? Because they don't want everybody else coming in while you got all your luggage and stuff. And so uh, this is like what we're talking about. You get that door open to the, to the one entrance and it's closed to the other one. 
And so you get that door open to the one entrance. Well, that gives, that gives access there, but it's closed it off there. You yield to the enemy, you just closed off access to God and opened access to him. But you walk around that door and you turn it over and you go the other direction. You pass the test. You give God access and you shut the door on the enemy. This is actually kind of important stuff. Amen. Praise God. One more thing I want to talk to you about. We know what the devil's work looks like, don't we? He steals, kills, destroys. But do we recognize what a test from God looks like? Hmm? It's important that we do. Any instruction for him, from him that goes against what you see and what you hear and what you feel in the natural, that can be a test. I said, any instruction from him, anything that he said to you to do, but yet it goes against your natural senses. That's a test. Would God ever tell you something that goes against your natural senses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody comes up to you with an attitude. And God tells you, love your neighbor. And what you see, you don't like. And what you hear, you want to respond to in kind. And you feel like blessing them with the five-fold ministry. Huh? Test. Test. Uh, what about when the Lord gave Abraham some instructions? Go take your child up to the mountain. Sacrifice him. Hmm? Well, there's an act of obedience. That's a test. Huge test. Abraham passed that huge test and got huge blessings. How many would like the huge blessings without any test? Doesn't work. Why? God needs that. God needs to do it righteously. Amen. Now, God will test us by leading us into situations that are tough on our flesh. For the purpose of teaching us faith. Why does he want to do that? He wants to be able to pass us on to the blessing. He'll lead you to a job where there's somebody on that job that just gets on your nerves, man. Just, just uh, irritating people. There's two ways to get out of that situation. Number one, you could quit and go find you another job. And you would fail the test. And guess what? You just re-enrolled for that level of faith school. And you will stay in that level until you pass that test. God will not promote you just because you're, you know, six foot five in first grade, your knees bumping up against the desk. No, he won't promote you just because you grew out of it. He won't promote you just because all your buddies are, are, are on. He'll let you, listen, he let Israel stay in the wilderness till they died. One way to be promoted, pass the test. One way to pass the test. Pick the right answer. Right answer? F. Faith. Praise God. So you could, you could quit and you'll be just stay there. Or you could stay on the job. You can, you can put what you learned about the love of God to work. You can put your faith to work. You can say good things about those people that you would rather go home and complain every day to your, to your spouse and your, 
and say, this person did this today. And guess what they did today? No, you could stop that. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. And, and say, Father, I thank you that I have a job. Thank you for this provision that you see what's happening when you do that. That's going against everything your flesh wants, but your faith's given him the legal right to say, where, where can I promote this individual? Where can up oh, such and such is going to be leaving <laughs> and we're going to just stick them up there. Amen. God, see, God, ugh, God can get you out of any situation. But you and I have to be willing to stay put until he moves us. Till he passes the test. Man, I worked, I worked what most people thought was an absolute glamour job. I mean, I was Brother Hagen's music director for seven years. And as far as, as, far as the Hagen's, boy, did they ever treat us good. I mean, they were, they were great to us. But I got to tell you, the enemy made sure that there were things that squeezed my flesh so hard, I thought I wasn't going to make it. And I realized if I was ever going to get out of this, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to have to do it God's way. Yeah. And I set my heart to do it God's way. Yeah. And he was able to, to promote us out on good terms and leave and right. right. Amen. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. I mean, you have no way to know how difficult it was. But I'm glad I went through it. Amen. So these kind of tests, these, these are things, the tests from God, these are things that happen every day. A bill comes in the mail. Uh, you didn't expect it. Test. You get a call. There's a problem that's arisen. Test. Your spouse or your kids, they're pushing your buttons. How many know where your buttons are? Test. Test. You're asked to do something and it's not in your job description. You have to be outside and it's too hot or it's too cold. It's not just right. Well, sorry, Goldilocks. <laughs> Test. And see, what you don't realize is that little itty bitty thing that you think is just a, an annoyance, an inconvenience, you might be bumping right up against the gate that lets you into a promised land for you. But you got to realize a test, a test. So here's the problem. Those tests, th those aren't hard things. What do you do with the bill? You pick the right answer. What do you do with the, what do you do with the phone call when they say, well, such and such has happened? Pick the right answer. huh? It's the same answer for all of it. You just got to answer faith to every situation. You call that bill paid. That person says, what are we going to do? We'll do the right thing. God will show us. Faith, you just, you just pick the right answer. Hmm? You deal with the kids when they push your buttons. I mean, mine don't. I don't know what you think. But you deal with your kids without, get, without being a, a basket case, without losing it, staying in control, hmm? not having to apologize to the whole neighborhood. You pick the right answer for all these things because you don't know which one of those little tests unlocks the door to that next level and allows God to put you through. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Why doesn't he tell me which one is the test? But listen, people, he's already given you the answer. What more do you want? If you're in school, 
How many would rather have the answers to everything and not know which one of the papers was counting as your test? Me? Me? Other than you know the big test is coming and I don't know what to do. Come on, that's where the world lives and that's not a good place. I'd rather have the answer. Yeah. And count whichever one of these you want to count because I got the answer and I'm going to give you the answer for all of them. Amen. Doesn't matter. We're going through this thing. Amen. So all these situations, they present themselves to you in the course of your very ordinary, normal daily life. And we got to we got to not miss the fact that oh, this is a test. You know, the reason most people fail the tests is they don't see it as a test. Oh, what a pain. Blah, blah, blah. You're failing. <laughs> You're failing. Oh, glory to God. These things present themselves to you, and God is awaiting your response. And the devil's awaiting your response because you're going to give one of them the legal right to have access into your life and do what they want to do. Glory to God. Do the thing that they love to do in your life. How do you pass? Choose the right answer. What's the right answer? Faith. Faith. You do just like Abraham did. He said what God had told him. And because of what God had told him, he said, me and the boy, we're coming back to you. And God's going to provide himself the lamb. And you do just like Jesus said, you just say what God has said. It's written, it's written, and it's also written. And if you say anything else, it's written, it's written, it's written. Pass, pass, pass. You don't need this test anymore. Out you go into the fullness. Out you go into the blessing. Out you go into the anointing. Out you go into, the, into abundance. Glory to God. Stand up, y'all. I mean, we got, we got some people here. You are emerging from the wilderness just like they did. Why is there wilderness in my promised land? Don't let it be because you just keep picking A and B and C and D instead of F. Don't let it be. be God will tell you the answer is true. And people will say all the time, I don't care. I think it's false. Knucklehead. What's the right answer? Faith. Faith. Say what God said about it. Glory to God. How many test passers do we have here? Father, we thank you so much for this bunch of faith people. These bunch of people that are more than conquerors, that are overcomers in this world. Glory to God. And we thank you, Lord, for all of us qualifying to be examples of your goodness that you'd have the, the legal right in our lives to bump us up and to move us on to places where the world around us would notice how good you are and that you'd get glory to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.